What would you do if one day the laws changed and you're allowed just to walk into your neighbor's house, go through their financial documents, check their pay stubs, see how much money they make, check their investment accounts, see how much money they've accumulated, look through their tax returns and get a sense of how you compare with them. Now, obviously we can't do that, but in this video, number four of our retirement series, we're gonna be looking at how we compare to our fellow Canadians, see how on track we are for an average, a below average or above average retirement. In this video, in sort of a roundabout way, we're going to be looking at the financial condition, the financial situations of our fellow Canadians, and just try and get a sense of with our retirement plans, whether you're early, middle, or later in those plans, how do we compare? You know, are we uh, behind in our planning? Are we kind of right on track? Or are we, you know, in fact, ahead of where a lot of Canadians are? are? In the first three videos of this series, we looked at when you, you know, the things to consider when you're deciding when to retire. We've looked at uh, how much money you can expect and, and ways of calculating a rough idea of how much money you're going to need in retirement. Uh, we've looked at um, sources of money. So you determine I'm going to spend X number of dollars every year. Where's that money going to come from? In this video today, we're going to look at how other Canadians are doing en masse. Now, before we get too deep into the video, a couple of things. Um, if you like this type of video, if you can give it a thumbs up, uh, that really helps spread the word amongst others who may be needing some help with their retirement planning as well. And if you are uh, looking for investment help, we do have our investment academy. It's the first link below. I'll talk more about that later, uh, but feel free to click on that at the end of the video and uh, get some information there as well. We're going to start today with the when. Without a doubt, there has been a, a couple of major trends that have occurred over the last 50 years. If we think back or we look back to the 1970s, and this is sort of the traditional uh, you know, default retirement of age 65, we can see by this chart I'll put up on the screen here that pretty much everyone, men, women, everybody retired at age 65. That was just kind of the way it was done. Now, if we look at this trend going through to the year 2000, it's unavoidable that we can notice that the retirement age kept getting lower and lower and lower during that you know, roughly 25 year time period. We can see when we look back from the 70s right through to the year 2000, how that average age dropped considerably from the 65 range uh, through to 61 for all retirees and a noticeable difference whether you're a public employee, a private employee or a self-employed person. We can see that for public employees, the median retirement age dropped from 65 down to 58. We can see for private employees, it was uh, it dropped to just under 62. And for self-employed individuals, it had stayed pretty consistent at 65. I'll show you now what's happened since 2000. So if we look at 2000 right through to 2010, the top line we'll look at here is for a total of all retirees. It stayed pretty much consistent. 61.5 in 2001 and that stayed relatively flat up till the end of 2010 with, with an increase of only 62.1. Across all sectors basically there wasn't a huge change in the retirement age. Big changes did start to occur in 2010. As we can see from this chart here starting in 2011 the average age had crept up to 62.4 for all retirees and as we sit today, or at the end of 2020, 64.5 is the number. So we've almost gone back up to where we were you know, 50 years ago. If we break that down a little more granularly, and we look at public versus private versus self-employed, public sector employees on average now are retiring at age 62 and a half. Uh, private sector employees are retiring at 64.7, so you know, let's call it 65. 
And self-employed individuals are, for the most part, finding themselves, or on average now, finding themselves working through to age 68. So what has caused this shift from a decline in the, 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 um, the average age from 65 down to about 61, and it now seems to have crept back up to 65. There are a few different reasons that come into play here. Let's look at some of those now. The number one reason that this trend has occurred, I think, is because in 2009, the legislation was passed and effective January 1st, 2010, the government of Canada outlawed a mandatory retirement age, which was 65 at the time. Another factor is probably, you know, gee, going back to the 70s, our life expectancy has increased by a considerable amount. So people are planning for living longer in retirement rather than, you know, I think back to the old days and you would start work, let's say at 20, you'd work to 65. So you had a 45 year time period to collect and save and invest and build up a pool of money. The life expectancy was under 80 back at the time. So let's say even 77, 78 ish. For a, for a male. So you work 45 years, save your money, you retire, and typically 12, 13, 14 years later, you'd be dead. And so you didn't have a long time frame to build or to, to fund, and the math worked much more in your favor. With the life expectancy stretching out and people kind of wanting to retire early, the challenge is you're having fewer working years and you're spending more years in retirement. So the math you know became much more challenging. Probably much for that reason, as people are projecting out, they're saying, hmm, if I can put two, three, four, or five more years into work, that's probably working to their advantage. Another factor might simply be that people are enjoying their work. You know, a lot of a lot of automation. I, I think in aggregate, the work today is much more manageable for an older person and it's not quite as labor intensive and trades intensive as it used to be. So if you have a, a desk job, if you are working with computers or, or even a lot of jobs that are more automated, hey, your body's not wearing out as quickly as it used to be. So if you're enjoying your work and you turn 62, well, continue to work a little bit. I think that might factor into it as well. And the, the last reason I've identified when I've done my research for this report is uh, not a good one, but a lot of retirees simply need to keep working uh, to fund for their retirement. I'll put a chart up on the screen here. And this shows that uh, this is the incidence of working or wanting to work by necessity among older person. And we can see here, if I look at the 60 to 64 year range, which you know that's sort of the retirement sweet spot, we can see that a large percentage, the uh, orange line is people who are working by necessity. And uh, you know that's uh, about 60% of people working in that range feel that they're just not prepared yet for retirement. If we look at the 65 to 69 years, there's still a large percentage, roughly 40% of people who feel that even in those years, that, that time frame should continue to work to provide for their retirement. And uh, the, at the extreme end, uh, there's still quite a number of people who are 70 years or older who are uh, you know continuing to work because they feel that they just don't you know, have any choice if they want to maintain their lifestyle. Uh, that's really the only option that they have. So as you're planning, maybe you're retired already and you'll know when you're retired or if you're planning your retirement age as part of that, you know, one piece of the bigger puzzle, factor these things in and get a sense of what other people are doing and it's not going to make your decision for you, but it will give you an idea of what might work as far as, you know, what day you can actually hang up that shingle and retire. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. For the low cost of only $19.95 Canadian, you can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, 
trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. The second area we're going to look at today is how much do people spend in retire? In the last video I did, it gave some idea of how to do some calculations and 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 look at, as I said earlier, some rules of thumb and say, hmm, look at what you're spending today. Well, let's compare and see how you're doing compared to other fellow Canadians. If we look at the first chart I'm gonna put up on the table here, the average spending of all Canadians, 18 year or older, I believe this is, across Canada, is $68,980 per year. And this chart breaks it down into the three major categories of shelter, transportation, and food. Now those don't add up to uh, 100%, so clearly there are lots of other things we spend our money on as well, but these take up the biggest chunk of our income. If you're planning for your retirement, where do you live? If you live in Prince Edward Island, I think you got it pretty good because you're gonna have the lowest cost, the lowest expenditures in Prince Edward Island, which is around $56,600 a year. If you live in Alberta, you might have a bit more of a challenge. The average spending, the average expenditures in uh, on goods and services there is almost $80,000 a year. And that's significantly higher than, the, than the, um, the norm across Canada. If you live in one of the territories, look at these numbers. If you live in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories, $98,600 a year is your average expenditures. You look at uh, none of it, $97,000 a year. And Whitehorse seems pale in comparison, even though it's high by Canadian standards, at $76,000, it seems if you live in the territories, uh, that's not a bad number, but you can really see how expensive uh, living in the territories is relative to most of the other provinces. If we look at urban versus suburban, so do you live in the big city? Do you live in a smaller community? That will play a big impact in your retirement planning as well. Let's look at the next table that shows if you live in a metropolitan area with a million or more residents, the total spending on goods and services is $73,568 on average. You can compare that to a rural area where the average spending is $60,335 uh, over the course of a year. So there's a thousand dollars a month more on average that it will cost you to live in a an urban center versus a suburban center. The average Canadian living in a metropolitan area spends more than $23,000 a year on shelter and that compares to $14,500. So a uh, you know a real savings on housing if you're living in a in a rural area compared to a metropolitan area. The other two ma- uh, major areas we look at in the table here, uh, transportation, I'm gonna call it the same across the board, and food, whether it's uh, purchasing from stores or restaurants. I'd say it's very close regardless of whether you live in a metropolitan area or a rural area. The next category, where do you fit here, is age groups. There's clearly a difference in how much different uh, age groups spend. As you might expect, the older you get, the more money you're going to be spending up until a point, which is, you know, the category 65 and over. And in a previous video, I talked about, you know, what really happens out there in retirement. 
And uh, there, there comes a point where your expenditures actually sort of peak out, typically in your early retirement years, and then they start to decline as time goes by. And this table really illustrates that quite, uh, quite well, I would say. For the younger groups, uh, ages 30 or less, the uh, average spending is $62,500 a year. And I must say that even seems high to me, but you know, I'm gonna have faith in the numbers here. These are 2019 numbers, so uh, relatively uh, close here. Uh, the next age group, 30 to 39, 77,000, let's call that. The, the peak spending years, 40 to 54 are 85, is about 85,000 on average. And this makes sense. This is when you're, you know, typically you're gonna be raising your family, uh, you're gonna have a mortgage. You know, there, there's just a lot of expenses that come along with that stage of life. And you can see how those peak out there. They start to decline uh, when, you know, the kids flee the house and perhaps you've got your mortgage paid off at that point uh, to 70,000. And then you can see dramatically how at 65 years or older, the current consumption drops to $48,453. Uh, and that's really, um, you know, that's something that if you're, the whole purpose of this video is to talk about how much you'll be spending in retirement. We can see here how uh, our expenses tend to peak out in that 40 to 55 range and then drop off. So if you're sitting here planning your retirement and you're thinking, gee, we're spending $85,000 a year now, how can we possibly retire on that? That Keep in mind that you can expect that number to go down uh, once you, and I would say go down considerably, once you actually get into retirement. Lastly, on this topic of where you fit, uh, we're going to look at uh, selected household types. When we look at these, when we look at these household types, the least expensive or the lowest expenditures are, as you might expect, one-person households. Couples without children spend more because there's two people. But the highest spending category, no surprise, is couples with children and uh, single-parent or lone-parent households. As it is probably more politically correct to say today, you'll see that number drop uh, drop back down. Now, the third piece of this puzzle is sources. Where is the money going to come from? And I find it very interesting that when you look at two major, one major criteria, whether you plan for retirement or whether you don't plan for retirement, it has a big impact on your success in retirement. Let's look at some of those numbers right now. On the chart I'm going to show you here, it breaks the sources of retirement down into six categories. Government uh, pension benefits, occupational or workplace pensions, personal savings from retirements, savings from tax-free savings accounts, working after retirement or some form of medical uh, disability pension or sale of a principal residence or some other source. The first thing that really jumps out at me when I look at this chart here is that for those people who have no current plans on retirement, 52% expect that government benefits will be the main source of their retirement income. And that compares to only 19% of people who have a plan who feel that they will be mostly reliant on their government benefits. Another thing that jumps out at me is 19% of the people without a plan feel that they will continue to work in retirement or they may have some other uh, income from other from business or rental property as well. And that compares to 7% of people who have a plan uh, feel that they'll continue to work past the age of 65. My takeaway from looking at this chart is crystal clear. You need to prepare a plan. And I know, you know, it's easy to say it's harder to do, but if you have the if you have the desire, first of all, I hope you do, and if you have the capability to do that, really put some emphasis regardless of what age you are into what that's going to look like and as we can clearly see from the numbers here, that will really help um, help you obtain success as you get into your retirement. The second thing we're going to look at when it comes to sources in retirement 
is pension plans. And this is a very interesting study. When we look back to 1998 and compare that to 2018, so we're looking at a 20 year time period, a few things become obvious. First of all, the total number of people who will be receiving pension in uh, retirement has dropped uh, materially. Uh, it dropped from 40.6% of people uh, expecting to receive pension income when they retire in 1998 through to 375 when the study was conducted in 2018. That's a, a you know clearly a downtrend. Now more strikingly is the difference between public workers and private workers. If you work in the public sector, you will see that the number has basically stayed the same. It's gone from it's gone from 87.3 20 years ago. It's wavered a little bit, but it's it's at 88% today. Uh, an amazingly consistent number given the overall decline in pensions. Most importantly here is the difference between a defined benefit plan and a defined contribution plan. And I know, I believe in my last video, I covered that off in more detail, but you know, nutshell, uh, defined benefit means you know how much you're going to be getting and that number is guaranteed for the rest of your life generally. Um, or whereas a, if you have a defined contribution plan, it's a, a pool that you've saved with the help of your employer, but there's no guarantees attached to it. It depends on how the money is managed. If you work in the public sector, 80% of employees expect that they will have a defined benefit plan when they retire. Again, if you look back over the last 20 years, that number has remained very consistent. Now contrast that to if you work in the private sector, there has been a startling uh, decline from 21% of people uh, 20 years ago to about just under 10 now. So this sort of safety net or the security blanket that traditionally employees uh, you know, could contribute to, the company would help them out, um, for the private sector workers, that has really declined. And in fact, you know, very few, uh, very few places that I'm aware of now um, have that where you, you start today and you go into a defined benefit plan. And we can see the stark contrast between the public, uh, public service and the private uh, service there. So if you do work in the public sector, I know it's easy to complain about our pensions, but uh, man, be, be thankful uh, that you have that uh, because again, that's, that's typically... That's income that is guaranteed. So obviously um, the sources that you have elsewhere play less of a role, but we're gonna look at those now. In a 2019 RBC study called Retirement Myths and Reality Polls, a couple of things really jump out at me here. They Their survey showed that 52% of retirees expect at some point during their retirement to um, have a source of retirement income from downsizing or moving. So, you know, maybe moving to a smaller community where the house, the price of housing is lower or just downsizing within their community, but going from a house down to a condo. Home equity lines of credit. I know I talked about this in the last video. 25% of retirees, especially in the um, metropolitan areas, feel that borrowing against their home will be needed, in, in, in essence, to provide them with the lifestyle that they are looking forward to. 41% uh, plan on working in retirement to some extent. If you're working in retirement because you love working and probably a part-time job, I'm all for that. Uh, I'm not such a big fan if you have to work in retirement. And I mean, maybe it's no, no fault of your own, but if you are younger now and you have the ability to think ahead and be part of that planning group, that's something that, uh, you know, put some effort into that today so that you're not forced at least to work when it comes uh, to, for time for you to retirement, to, to retire. Couple of last things, inheritances, 12% of people are relying uh, to some extent on, on um, inheriting money. And I think, I mean, there's no, I, I believe that you should factor in 
uh, inheritances in your retirement plans. Um, I would call it almost as a bonus though, um, not as sort of a major source of income. And uh, mind-bogglingly, 3% apparently believe that uh, lottery winnings will factor into their retirement income. Now, it's only 3%, so it's not a huge amount, but um, I, I would not, <laughs> I don't, I'm not a lottery ticket kind of guy, but I certainly wouldn't want to uh, bet my retirement on lottery. Let's look now at assets or net worth of our fellow Canadians and see where you fit into that spectrum. And if we think back to the previous video, um, we looked at how much you're going to need in retire, and I gave you some ways of taking that number and extrapolating it up into what you'll need as a lump sum. So I'm not going to go through those numbers again here, but if that's something you need help with, you can check the previous video in this series. Today, we're going to look just at some raw numbers and see where average Canadians sit. The median net worth in 2019 of fellow Canadian families was $329,900. Now, as you would expect, just like incomes, you would expect that that number is going to rise uh, as, you, as you age. You, know, you have time to accumulate the wealth. In the first table, you can see here when you're looking at the age of the major income recipient in the family, if, the, if that person is under age 35, well, as expected, you're going to have a, a, a lower net worth. In this case, just under $49,000 as a median number. Uh, you can see as you climb up the age categories, you're going to see that number slowly increasing or quite rapidly increasing in certain age categories up until the peak, which is in the 55 to 64 if the primary uh, income recipient is in that uh, that age range, you're going to see a net worth of $690,000. And then once you hit 65 and start getting older than that, that number will slowly start coming down. Now, Statistics Canada will uh, you know, separate economic families versus uh, persons who aren't in a family. And we can look at those numbers here. If, if you have an economic family, the highest net worth there is 840,900 and that's for families where the major income earner is 65 plus. Uh, that continues to go down and you'll see, I find it very interesting, 460,000 for couples without children under 18 and that number is 435,000 for couples with children under 18. I kind of thought there might be a bigger gap there but it's relatively close. Uh, persons living alone, 65 plus, you have that median net worth of $322,000. Lone parent families, median net worth of $83,100. And persons living alone under the age of 65 have a median net worth of, of $51,000. And that does kind of make sense because you have a lot of younger people in that group um, just starting out in that retirement fund building uh, phase of their lives. If we look at it provincially, depending on where you live, um, you can compare yourself to your immediate neighbors. The highest median net worth in Canada is in the province of Ontario at just over 430,000. And the lowest is in Prince Edward Island at about 211,000. Have a look at your province there and you can see how you compare to others in your immediate vicinity. Question, are you on track? Are you ahead of track or are you behind track? Uh, if you're willing to share that information with our community, uh, you know, don't give too much detail if you don't feel comfortable, but we'd love to sort of get a broad spectrum of where you sit. If you're behind, uh, what concrete steps are you going to take to make sure that you are, you know, at that average or above? And it's really, you know, one of the main goals of our channel here is to help people make decisions. Uh, it was started for millennials, you know, make decisions when you're younger and, and take those steps to put, um, to put money away so that when you do retire, you're going to have a comfortable lifestyle that you want. 
if you're in a situation like that and you do feel that you do need some help with, you know, where do I even start? You may be a raw beginner. Um, check the first link out below. In our investing academy, we have a number of resources for, you know, from raw beginners to more experienced investors. Have a look, see if there's something in some way there that we can help you in that quest to go from where you are today to making sure that when you do retire, um, you've got what you need to provide for the lifestyle that you'd like. That's a wrap for today's video. I hope you found it interesting. If you did, please give it a thumbs up, uh, share the word because you know every Canadian is affected by this. Hopefully one day we'll all retire and uh, to have this information you know, can help in that, in that endeavor. So again, thumbs up if you don't mind and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.